Star Wars songs Started out fun but the best rhymes all are gone Nobody let's not kid ourselves I ain't no Elton John It's getting kinda hard to write more Star Wars songs set so high a bar The inspiration came at least so far But Attack of the Clones is a trash bag on a beach on Mustafar Now keeping this up has been getting really hard If I had to write a theme song for Star Wars Episode 2 Write about the duel between Yoda and Count Dooku Or maybe Papa Jango or little baby Boba Fett Or about how plainly horny teenage Annie tends to get But much like the film, it would just seem deeply wrong It's getting pretty hard to write more Star Wars songs it's getting really hard to write more Star Wars songs. So we start out Attack of the Clones with the opening crawl, as per usual. Uh, the unrest in the Galactic Senate uh, is highlighted, showing that there's a leader of the Separatist movement, Count Dooku, uh, and there is the intention to leave the Republic, and this has caused a lot of turmoil, and as a result, uh, Senator Amidala is on her way to Coruscant to vote uh, in a very important uh, Senate vote. Clearly, uh, things are pretty tense right now throughout the galaxy, and the galaxy itself might be a bit of a wild card. They don't really know what's going to happen so much that they think the journey to Coruscant might be dangerous. And when they land, they're like, phew, everything seemed to go okay, except nope. Then the entire platform blows up and appears to blow up uh, Padme with it. Uh, a masked pilot and... Uh another Naboo pilot run over to the chaos. Uh, we can see that this is another instance of Amidala using a decoy where her decoy has died as opposed to her. Uh, she dies in her arms. Padme is the masked pilot. Uh, she was flying in a starship alongside her main convoy as a result to once again, like you mentioned, kind of ease her paranoia about being attacked and blown up. So she meets in Palpatine's office uh, along with select and, I guess, primo members of the Jedi Council uh, to basically discuss what we're going to do to keep her safe because obviously anything could happen at any minute. Palpatine suggests we put a couple of Jedi on her detail, and uh, Mace Windu is all for that, especially if we're going to cough up Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, because he doesn't seem to have any respect for anybody but himself. Uh, yeah, kind of. Mace Windu <laughs> definitely uh, has no respect for Anakin. You don't really see that in this uh, particular little 20 here. But yeah, they're discussing in uh, Palpatine's office about the need for uh, greater strength and greater uh, enforcement, but that the Jedi cannot fight the entire war on behalf of the Republic. So they're kind of in a bit of a sticky situation with the rise of the Separatist aggression. And as a result... The potential belief that 
what happened was this an, an act of uh, potential terrorism in reference to the, a political agenda or was this something to do with more internal conflict on Naboo and that's kind of discussed back and forth but like you mentioned Amidala is convinced it is an act of political terrorism even though it seems like kind of overkill to put two Jedi on Padme's security detail it's what they decide we uh, shoot over to an elevator where Anakin and Obi-Wan are going up to meet with Padme for the first time in 10 years Anakin is sweating bullets because he's had a crush on her, hasn't stopped thinking about her for 10 years. Obi-Wan's trying to relax him, and they seem to have a pretty cool little brotherhood. They meet. Anakin is as awkward as ever, and she is sweet to him, but she kind of blows him off a little bit. She blows him off a little bit. Uh, she engages more with Obi-Wan and, and her uh, and her guard. She's frustrated by the entire notion of having to have Jedi protectors, but she gives in because she does like Obi-Wan and Anakin and ultimately it's better than any other solution uh night falls and they're kind of sitting out in the living room padme is a, she's retired she's asleep they're having a bit of an argument over whether or not they should be investigating any kind of uh efforts to kill padme or if they should just kind of keep the watch suddenly they have a force vision that something might be awry they blast into padme's bedroom and stop her from being poisoned by these little worms that have been unleashed by a uh, pupil or colleague of Django fett who was sent out to sure enough kill padme yes this same colleague uh, was also responsible for bombing the ship at the start of the movie uh, and as a result, uh, when Obi-Wan and Anakin enter Padme's room to save her, Anakin cuts the slugs in half and Obi-Wan jumps out the window to attack the probe droid that released the slugs into Padme's bedroom. And then there's a big crazy chase scene uh, through the streets of Coruscant between the Jedi and this bounty hunter. And our 20 actually ends amid that uh, that that. Uh that chase scene. Yes, Anakin grabs a speeder and he goes and picks up Obi-Wan as he's literally free-falling on Coruscant. Uh, and uh, from there, then Anakin jumps out of the speeder to go and uh, find our our attacker. They do a pretty nice job of establishing what the relationship is between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Not so much the brother thing that we've talked about at length, but, but certainly the... And I don't want to say lack of respect either, but the disobedience of Anakin, but in kind of a playful, youthful way. It's interesting because I find they show three different levels in just this 20 of the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. You see that very brotherly kind of fun banter in the elevator where Obi-Wan is just trying to calm him down because he's, he's nervous clearly, but Anakin's giving him a couple snipes because Anakin's very, very talented. Right. And so it's nice in that regard. And then you get... A little bit more of disobedient Anakin, who, uh, when talking with Padme, is just straight up like, oh, we promise we'll find your attackers. And that's exactly the opposite of what Obi-Wan says. Right, and Obi-Wan is almost acting like a father, but also kind of like a wife. Like, the two of them are, like, bickering. Mm. It's like when you're having dinner with a couple that's fighting and you're just sitting there it's quietly. It's awkward as hell. It's exactly. so awkward. It's really, it's really like that. I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And then, then you get the other side of it again when they're in the speeder, where... It's a little bit more similar to the elevator, but Obi-Wan is frustrated. But at the same time, I believe this is the best example. I, th I think the, the one when they're in the speeder is the best example of the relationship. Yeah. Uh, because it shows disobedience in a way that isn't just like a dickish back and forth between the two of them, where Anakin's being like saying things that are literally contradicting Obi-Wan. Yeah. But instead is making more daring moves and really kind of just pushing the limits 
which is a bit more of a reasonable reason for Obi-Wan to want to rein him in because he's wild, not because he's like, you know, bitchy, but no. because he's a little bit of a loose cannon. But when he's youthful and vibrant and mischievous, mm. that feels a little bit more like Phantom Menace uh, Anakin. Yeah. Where you can actually see how that guy would develop into this guy. Yeah, you can. But brooding Anakin is, I mean, to be fair, lots of little boys are cute when they're nine and then pain, pains in the ass when they're uh, 19 or whatever mm. his age is in this movie. That That's hormonally very sensible, but it's still, it, this disconnect is very stark. Yeah, you really notice it. And Anakin's written very much like a Shakespearean character. Whoa. (laughs) I'm going to need you to back that one up. In in the sense of (laughs) his word choice, he speaks in a very old-timey English way, although he doesn't have that kind of an accent. He he speaks very... But it also falls in line with similar to the way Vader Vader spoke, so that Anakin as an adult has a very weird way of speaking because it's been kind of almost pre-established through Vader. And there are certain points where they do a really good job of making him seem more his age. Uh, and they, this is the reason why Clone Wars is, um, the Anakin is so much stronger is because the dialogue is, yeah. it makes him more of a human. And that's the thing. Vader's not a goddamn human. And right. so they make him, so his vo- his dialogue is not, it, it's robotic and it's it's without emotion. Whereas Anakin at this point should not be robotic without emotion. He should be, just unhinged emotion. No, but you you just kind of breezed over something that I think is a really excellent point, which is the lilt of Anakin's voice was predetermined by the character of Darth Vader. Mm. And that works with Darth Vader because of the man and the machine and the James Earl Jones of it all. But he has to have the same accent, however awkward it might sound, on a regular kid. He has to talk in that same way. Very short sentences that, uh, like are overly dramatic. Yeah. They really are. And so it it does work in that way, but he needs to show a little bit more youthfulness. There needs to be a little bit better of a blend, I think, uh, because I do like the consistency that it shows, but at the same time, Vader really, like, he just has the hatred emotions left. That's right. Anakin is more of a person at this point and should show that a little bit more, in my opinion. And I think he shows it at points, but... And we haven't come close to seeing the worst of Anakin in this movie, or even, like, it's unbelievable how bad he gets at certain points You're in this right. movie. Um, but uh, it comes out more that when you see it as if, imagine if young Darth Vader's saying that, it makes more sense. Speaking of the way people talk, just in their, their vernacular, uh, Obi-Wan had a very interesting moment in the elevator where he stutters, and that's not something you ever hear from, like, you hear it from, like, like a Finn in in Star Wars, you might hear it from like a guy or a or a gal in Star Wars whose whose point within the series is to be human like. But mm. Obi Wan's character, however cool, is is very graceful, even as a kid in Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. And I can't, I, I'll I'll will clip it in after so everybody can hear. I haven't felt you this tense since since we fell into that nest of gun dogs. It was very normal. It's like that's the way we talk, but it's not the way Obi Wan talks, and it stood out to me. I didn't notice that. Yeah, no. It's subtle. You have to piece that in there. I haven't felt you this tense since since we fell into that nest of gun dogs. So we talked recently about about Padme's uh, handmaidens or her decoys. First of all, I think it's very silly that Padme, no longer a queen, a has to have decoys. Although I guess in this case she is being hunted, so it's not such a terrible idea. In this case, it worked. Well, her, she's insanely paranoid. Like, holy shit! I mean, her paranoia is backed up left, right, and center. Right. But like, why do so many people adamantly want to kill her? 
her. I don't know. Like Palpatine's like, it doesn't seem right that he would want to kill Padme at this point yet. As a senator, she doesn't need to wear the getup. She doesn't need the hairdos anymore. Why does she keep wearing the hairdos? Uh, that's uh, just traditional Naboo dress and garb. <laughs> that's so dumb. Yeah, but it's like the way that you represent yourself in a political presence. But also at the same time, she... Uh, it's much more toned down. So I want to fact check you on something that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Kira Knightley, Rose Byrne, not playing the same character. Correct. Not uh, playing the same. Not necessarily. Yes and no. Well, Kira Knightley, uh, her character's name was Sobe, and Rose Byrne's character's name is Dorme. No. Uh, so specifically, uh, Rose Byrne, I believe, has played both Corday and Dorme. Oh, okay. Uh, but because they're supposed to be her guards... It doesn't really matter if they look alike. So the and one who dies do... in the opening scene, that's Corday. Yeah, and she's actually in the rest of the movie as Dorme. Rose Byrne is. Yeah, we see her later in yeah. this 20. She's later in the movie. So she plays two different characters there. Okay, but Kira Knightley is Sobe. That's she's Sobe. Third... I, I thought she was Corday. I thought that they were supposed to be the same. I did I did confuse that. I didn't know that. Third different name. Okay. Which is kind of a relief because she's so much younger, looks totally different. Makes sense she'd have different people. Well, it doesn't make sense that necessarily they would be different because it's 10 years later yeah very well be the same person but yeah she has she has a lot of people and they all look like her that's the point right right okay yeah i still find it silly that she's the she's the only one who wears that that hair well there's the new queen of naboo now is she in this movie uh she is in this movie later on yeah this movie almost feels more political than the phantom menace the whole first 20 is talking about it's uh, very po political. I actually warfare based. I love the crawl. Yeah, I love this crawl. This is one of the best crawls in Star Wars, in my opinion. It's well written. It does an interesting thing where it it tells you about Count Dooku. It doesn't necessarily establish that he's a bad guy, which is fine because it might not be clear to the galaxy whether he is a good guy or a bad guy. He's almost kind of like that Forrest Whitaker character in Rogue One. He's kind of his own thing who's building his own army. He's an independent, basically, and maybe you will choose to go with him. And so we see in the dispute between uh, Padme and Mace Windu, one of them really doesn't trust him and one of them kind of does because he used to be a Jedi. I think the Count Dooku is behind it. He is a political idealist, not a murderer. You know, my lady, Count Dooku was once a Jedi. He couldn't assassinate anyone. It's not in his character. But yeah. the crawl itself doesn't establish at all that he's going to be a villain. Well, Count Dooku is supposed to be a mystery because there's Tyrannus and there's Count Dooku. And throughout the entire movie, uh, and even the Jedi, the Jedi don't know that they're the same until the very end of the Clone Wars. Okay. Like, at the very end of the Clone Wars, they figure out that Dooku is Darth Tyrannus. Right. Uh, but we're, we hear both of those names in this movie. Uh, we hear Dooku, kind of, we see Dooku in the crawl. Dooku's mentioned at this point. So he's supposed to be kind of a mysterious character. He doesn't pop into the movie until an hour 15. Is that right? Yeah. And so his arrival and that conversation that he has with Obi-Wan later on, he's supposed to be a bit of a mystery. We're not really supposed to to know what his agenda is until it's through great exposition just yeah. explained to us later on right uh so it's kind of supposed to be a mystery as to like who's this tyrannus who's this dooku guy um and then initially like the, then there's also the who's the sifo-dyas but we'll get into that in the next 20 right and so it, it was supposed to create confusion as to who was the one to commission the army. What do you really like about the crawl? What stands out to you so much? Is it just worded well? Uh, I think it's worded really well. Because uh, I find that, uh, like, I hated the last Jedi crawl. I thought it was really weird. 
Um, Phantom Menace Crawl wasn't great. Why do you hate The Last Jedi Crawl? Because I noticed it was different. It's very uh, overwrought. Yeah, that's why. But so is Star Wars. Yeah, it just, it it's after The Force Awakens, which is, in my opinion, the best crawl in Star Wars. I think it's the best in all seven movies. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, all eight of the movies, but... Uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, this one specifically, I think it's worded really well, and I think it shows a great, it does a great job of framing up the political change that's happened over that 10-year span. I mean, going into this movie, there's a totally, like, there's a pretty big political backstory to what's going on. Yes. And The Crawl does a pretty darn good job in three sentences summarizing that. It does, you're right. It puts all the big players into into account, and the opening scene with Pat, with uh, Palpatine in his office and the conversation he has with the Jedi, that in The Crawl really, really sets the stage for the biggest time jump between movies within a trilogy there is. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, pretty impre- I'm just impressed by that, uh, by how well it sets the stage. Uh, when Anakin and Obi-Wan are kind of bickering in Padme's... Uh, living room something anakin says it's just kind of in the background while we're like looking out the windows it's just kind of like room noise that they're having this argument anakin says not another lecture at least not on the economics politics not another lecture at least not on economics and politics it felt to me like either that's george trolling us or George being completely tone deaf and not hearing the complaints against the original movie at all. So he's either like sticking it to us for being a little uh, annoyed with all the politics in Star Wars, or he's going like, yeah, I can laugh at myself. Uh, I think it's more likely he's sticking it to us. Yeah, he's that kind of guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, he gave up on Jar Jar and yep. allowed the fans to reduce his role significantly. By the way... Jar Jar calling him Obi? It is way too late in the development of this character to establish new nicknames for yep. Obi-Wan. Nope. That's not, not okay. No. It, it, it just doesn't work at Full all. Full stop. He's not Obi. Yeah. yeah you, there's, it's, it's not really defendable. Jar Jar, I mean, the best part about Jar Jar is how much his role was reduced in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's wearing all these crazy robes in this movie. He looks very different. Yeah, he has, uh, he's got a lot of power for being a man with very little brains. Yes. Interesting how that parallels real life. Mm. Do you uh, want to do some trivia? Yeah, okay. Well, what is the name of Padme's new head of security? Captain Typho. Yes, do you know his first name? Ooh. I mean, you got the point, but if you know his, you get bonus if you know his I first don't name. know his first name. His first name is Gregor. Gregor. Why did they replace Panaka? Do you know what Panaka's first name is? No. Quarsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why they replaced him. Uh, the actor, I believe his name was uh, Hugh Quarshy. Oh, really? And so they like retroactively gave Panaka's first name the name Quarsh. Quarsh. Uh, I will do a bit of a spoiler uh, for Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Uh, Quarsh Panaka is in that. Nice. Uh, Quarsh Panaka, uh, he... He'd be an old man, right? Well, he goes on to become... Um, I think he commands a starship at one point, like a, like a Star Destroyer. Like he, he stays in the Empire. Oh, he's a bad dude. Well, keep in mind, he's from Naboo, so he served with Palpatine. He knows Palpatine well. He's someone who was able to rise to power quite well when yeah. the empire became a thing because of the yeah, Naboo he's a, roots. He's a bureaucrat, you yep. know, he's part of the system, which I can, I can appreciate. Now you've talked about how you, you're pretty sure we might go to Naboo in episode nine. I think that would be really cool. Mm. 
if we're if we're thinking realistically, Naboo is a very different place come episode nine. Oh I, yeah. Ideologically, it is not such a haven anymore. And I'm really interested to see it develop. Well, it's still pretty damn nice. Yeah. It, it's rich. Yeah, it maintains itself pretty well throughout the uh throughout the Imperial reign. Okay. Uh, Palpatine doesn't necessarily show it tons of favoritism, but he definitely does not let it fall into despair. All right. So it's doing okay. Yeah, but you just mentioned that that Panak is from Naboo and he stays within the Empire. So the last we've seen of Naboo, the Empire hadn't ruled yet. And so... Yeah, just it, the very, it, very end of Return of the Jedi when they're toppling. Right, but if in that, through all that time, mm-hmm. Naboo has become like super right wing, for the lack of a better word, it might be kind of... Uh, yeah, kind of a scummy place. Who knows? But I mean, when you also think about it, my guess is it would take on take on a lot of similar traits to Alderaan. I mean, having that place disappear from the galaxy, a similar a similar sort of peacekeeping. Um, ironically, <laughs> of all places, yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of like a, a very peaceful, serene, um, green planet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> With a lot of greenery. Give me your Padawan question. Uh, Padawan question. What does Obi-Wan tell Anakin to stay away from as they get zapped through oh. the speeder chase? I find it weird when they get zapped by the speeder chase. They just, Anakin decides to fly them right through this big field of energy and electricity. They're lucky that their ship didn't malfunction or they didn't die or something. I don't know. What, what does he tell them to beware of? Power couplings. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never would have gotten that. Want to give me your night question? Night question. Uh, who does Mace Windu speculate is behind the attack on the landing pad? Um, was it uh, pirates? Uh, something about it's something about spice, uh, like spice traders or like spice miners. Uh, spice miners. Yep. Our intelligence points to disgruntled spice miners on the moons of Naboo. And what does that mean? They're just like they're blue collar people who feel like she doesn't represent them. And then the she's, they're going to commit like intense terrorism. That's yeah. not very insightful, Mace Windu. It's not really. No, <laughs> no, that's what his intelligence speculates. Well, he also is like he gives her kind of like a condescending look. Like, there's no way it could have been Dooku. He was one of us. Mace Windu's kind of an idiot. He's Mace kind of, Windu is. He's kind of a moron in these movies. That I, it's, it's not something I realized at all as a kid. I just thought he was badass Sam Jackson. And no, he's a pain in the ass. He sucks. He fights well. The purple lightsaber is objectively cool, but yeah. Oh, I mean, he's one of the, he's one of the most powerful Jedi there is. But he everything he says is like, uh, yeah, he, absolutely. His beliefs are awful. He is so just in the system. Yeah, he is the polar opposite of Anakin in that regard. So stuck in his ways. Yeah. Okay. What was Obi Wan doing before returning to Coruscant? Uh, he was. I mean, I guess he was he was settling some kind of disputes on Antion. Close. What was he doing? It was a border dispute border. on Anison. Anison. All right, I, I just misheard. Very good. They mumble. Mm-hmm. Master question: What is the species of worm that's released into Padme's bedroom? The Kohuns. Yeah. How did you know that? I do my research. Or Kohuns, I guess. K O U H U N S. They can extend up to 30 centimeters long. Gross. Yeah, they're pretty gross. That's it's just... a pretty cool move when he jumps in and cuts them in half. And I have I have that as one of my best moments. I have the crawl and I have Anakin cutting those slugs. I mean, it's kind of insane, but it's also really cool. 
Yeah, and then Obi Wan jumps out the window. Mm. It's a, that's like okay, yeah. I guess Jedi protectors are pretty useful. Well, good thing Padme <laughs> doesn't flinch for Christ's sake. Yeah, no kidding. She does it like after she after he freaking cuts them in half. She's yeah, like, huh? <laughs> he everything he says, and this goes without saying, but everything he says is hardcore cringy. Yeah. Although I do have to say, it was hilarious and super cringy at the same time when he makes note of the fact that she probably doesn't want him watching her while she sleeps. I know, I wrote that down. What's going on? Well, she covered the cameras. I don't think she liked me watching her. You think? (laughs) What a little creep. Oh my God, what a thing to say. He's so bizarre when it comes to Padme because like I understand a kid having a crush on a slightly older girl and I can understand him remembering having had that crush as a kid and he's like a little anxious to see her again because maybe he'll have a crush Mm -hmm. but he's determined he has been in love with her for 10 years Mm -hmm. and only knew her for a long weekend a decade ago (laughs) (laughs) it's so silly I've thought about her every day since we parted why (laughs) what have you been thinking about you perv god well you also have to keep in mind he's not allowed to have any attachments at all no, but he hasn't met another cute girl in 10 years. I don't know. There's not a good argument there. However, some people have said, and it's a cool way to kind of watch the next two movies if you want to keep it in the back of your mind. Uh, and some people believe, and it's defendable for sure, uh, there are some parts that aren't as much with the full umbrella of canon because it does show Anakin and Padme's relationship a bit better. Right. But some people do believe that Anakin, um, that he uses the Force to make her fall in love with him. Right. And that, as you can see throughout this movie, it shifts. And she, like, it, it's it shifts with his anger as it increases. She falls more in love with him. And that Honestly, doesn't make sense. I think the love story would be so much better. if that. I, like, I think that's a story George Lucas isn't ballsy enough to tell. But that is the dark within Anakin, like, really doing something devious. And yet you're watching a love story. That would conflict the audience in a way that I don't know if it's ever happened before and that would be cool i'm game is what i'm trying to say yeah it would be there are some parts that like are a little confusing if you analyze it closely like that but like when you think about the very end uh, in revenge of the sith when like you're going down a path i can't follow well this is when anakin's at his most powerful so he should have no problem like right. sealing the deal with padme there right true uh that shouldn't have been an issue so there's things that don't necessarily in full work with it, but, uh, and I will say, it doesn't so much, it's not highlighted in this 20, but I will say the relationship they go for with Anakin and Padme is George Lucas failing miserably to recreate what Lawrence Kasdan did with Han and Leia and Empire. Yeah, you think that's what he was trying to do? Absolutely. You see it more so in the next 20. You see intense banter back between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, very much in a way of like undercutting the other, Anakin trying to be the big man, and Padme having no time of day for it. Um, well, they're both such saps. I mean, Padme does have a backbone. She is hardcore, but like... Her dialogue. Her dialogue sucks. And she's still kind of a kid, which mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue Leia is too, but like... 
But Leia seems so much more adult than Padme, she and does. Leia is five years younger. And Han Solo is a fucking man. Yeah, he is, and so, Anakin is not. He no. is a child. That's, so that's the charm of uh, Empire Strikes Back in the tension between Han and Leia, is that they, as much as they love each other, they loathe each other. Well, and that's what this is kind of supposed to be as well. You can see the intention, like the the kind of the, that tense... Um, dialogue between the two of them in the next 20 but like you said it doesn't work because anakin we've already heard about how obsessed and over the top in love he is with padme yeah. that his like quips back like his i guess banter towards her it's not really taken seriously because it's not done in that same snide way that han solo did it right and anakin the goal here is yeah he's extremely talented and he's cocky and he's arrogant but he's not with padme Yes. And that's the problem is he's only that way one or two times, but Han Solo's consistently that way. Anakin's that way with everyone but Padme, and then once or twice he's with that with Padme, and that doesn't work. Yeah, and also knowing that it's against the rules for him to be in love mm. and to have any kind of like uh, external affections, shouldn't he be trying to suppress his feelings? Like, shouldn't he be lying to himself and to Obi-Wan? He should be lying to Obi-Wan. Yeah, even to himself, he should be like trying to shake those feelings off because it kind of undercuts how he's feeling mm. about his mom. He's especially worried about his mom in this 20. And you're like, yeah, I don't care. I'd rather see him hook up with Padme. Mm. But like if he was only fixated on like one person he admits to loving, it, it might, I don't know. Might... No, that's actually a really good point. It shows it shows that it, within Anakin it's but i guess i don't know because he just Anakin, loves everybody well that, that, and that's it it's it's not so much just one person it's a fundamental flaw in his character yeah. however i think that when you think about that in big picture it's kind of perfect because it's not necessarily a flaw because if padme was the only person who could turn him to the dark side then luke wouldn't have been able to bring him back true so if he has the ability to love and that's like just fundamentally his flaw, the fact that people he loves will get him to portray all of his ideals. <laughs> that's quite the flaw. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but he does it three times. Yep, you're right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Interesting when they allude to the swordsman capabilities of Yoda. What took you so long? Oh, you know, Master, I couldn't find a leader that I really liked. There he is, with the open cockpit and the right speed capabilities. Spent as much time practicing your saber techniques as you knew which you would rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. I thought I already did. Only in your mind, my better young apprentice. That's an interesting one, specifically uh, because we hadn't seen him duel at this point, right. and that's setting it up for later in the movie, yep. which was when I was a kid the thing I was the landslide most excited for in it this was movie. bizarre, yeah. Oh, yeah, and my favorite part of the movie right after. In retrospect, I'm not a fan of it, really. Right. Uh, but. It is pretty cool, but uh, Anakin really did believe that. He was so arrogant that he believed he was as good as Yoda uh, with a blade. And right. so at the end of the movie, when Anakin gets his ass handed to him and loses his hand literally, and Yoda goes and beats Dooku until he runs off, Anakin is like, okay, I'll let this guy lead the way for the Clone Wars. Well, and that line actually becomes really good foreshadowing. Mm. It's very good. Well, there's a line in the next 20, which I won't say, but it's wonderful foreshadowing. What can you tell me about Zam? Uh, well, that I'll, guess I'll say, what's, I'll ask my, my legend question, my, my last one, or is that what it is? Master, master, not legend. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's Zam's full name? Zam Wessel. There you go. You got a legend question, or a master question. I just happened to look that up recently. Yeah, there you go. What can you tell me about her? Is she under Jango Fett? 
Uh, just a hired out bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot really to say there. It's uh, interesting, like, they keep referring to her as a he, because they haven't seen her, and so they just assume this bounty hunter is male. And that's fine. They keep using male pronouns. And then she takes off her mask, and it's almost like it's supposed to be this big reveal that it's a she, but we've already established that it's a she. Yeah, we know that it's a she. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, and as people who love... Um, Star Wars and are obviously on top of things. We knew it going in. We knew Enfys Ness was was a woman, but um, that's kind of the sort of reveal that would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, to kind of pair it like that. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so that the if we're believing it alongside Anakin and Obi Wan, it's going to be a. But it just it makes no sense. Like, who cares if they thought it was a guy and then found out it was a she who's a right. changeling? And it also doesn't matter. It also doesn't matter that she's a changeling. No, no, not at all. No, so. Uh, that that means she can like morph her figure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Palpatine looked older in this movie. Yeah, on purpose. Would you yeah. say? Oh, definitely. They yeah. really age him. They did. Yeah, they do a pretty good job. His office is really baller. His office is massive. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's great, super great, super cool. great view. Yeah, although the Coruscant traffic is on rotation. <laughs> People is just, it really? they're just going in circles. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, give me some quotes. What are some of the quotes that stood out to you? Not a lot. Uh, really not a lot. Holy hell. Yoda um, says, the dark side clouds everything impossible to see the future is. Yeah. That's kind a good of one. A good standard Yoda. Uh, another Yoda one here is, Senator Amidala, your tragedy on the landing platform. Terrible. Seeing you alive brings warm feelings to my heart. I enjoy that one. I do too. It's very sweet. Yeah. I kind of think a decent, and you can, you can disagree if you wish, I kind of think a decent name for the episode is Goodness You've Grown. Oh, that's... I, I I have my placeholder title as I hate it when he does that. Yeah. It's definitely a more... I don't know. He dates. That's kind of speaks to the whole series. <laughs> <laughs> the whole series could be called Star Wars. I hate it when he does that. Yeah, I have also in here for Obi-Wan. I don't mind flying, but what you're doing is suicide. Yeah, that's a good one. Here's a brutal one. I'd much rather dream about Padme. Just being around her again is intoxicating. That's a bad line. I'm so upset that I had to say it. That is a bad line. <laughs> it's brutal. Uh, another bad line would be um, the entire exchange between Obi-Wan and Anakin as they're arguing over um, whether or not they're going to protect yeah. uh, or, or like hunt down uh, Padme's attempted murderer. I know. It's awful. We are here to protect you, Senator, not to start an investigation. We will find out who's trying to kill you, Padme. I promise you. We will not exceed our mandate, my young Padawan learner. I meant it in the interest of protecting her, Master, of course. We will not go through this exercise again, Anakin. And you will pay attention to my lead. Why? What? Why else do you think we were assigned to her if not to find the killer? Protection is a job for local security, not Jedi. It's overkill, Master. Investigation is implied in our mandate. <laughs> oh my god, you fucking tool. I know, it's the worst. Um, and then Anakin's line of... Um, in response to my goodness you've grown mm. uh so have you grown more beautiful i mean for a senator i mean oh my god <laughs> what a what a line you have no control over yourself you don't know what the line was in the script no i don't the line in the script and I, and I will say i found it very difficult to find scripts for attack of the clones that are accurate interesting uh the line in the script was so have you grown more beautiful i mean i mean shorter i mean for a senator, I mean. <laughs> oh, no. But why did, like, 
they changed that line knowing it had problems and they didn't just scrap the line. No, they're like, I know. They're like, oh, there's something in this line we need to keep here. Yeah. Him calling her beautiful right away just wouldn't happen. No. It makes more sense he'd call her short. That's funny. Yeah, that's funnier because he's tall now. Yeah. Oh, that's so dumb. You've grown as well. I mean, shorter, I mean. <laughs> You've grown shorter. <laughs> See, that's funny. That is kind of funny. I wish he'd said that. No, but the more beautiful part just makes it worse. Oh, it's terrible. Um, Master, if we keep this chase, go- if if we keep this chase going, that cre- that creep's gonna end up deep fried. Personally, I'd very much like to find out who in the hell he is and who he's working for. Yeah, that's a bad line, Anakin. It is deep fried. They have deep fry here in the galaxy far, far away. I guess so. They must. Uh, Obi Wan. Well, this is some kind of shortcut. He went completely the other way. <laughs> Can I say something that's probably not a, a popular opinion? Obi-Wan looks stupid in this movie. Uh, Obi-Wan looks really stupid in this movie. He has bad, fake red hair. Although, do you believe that because of the beard? Yeah, I hate the beard. The beard is fake in the elevator. Okay. It's fake in two in like two or three scenes in the movie. It's fake in the elevator. It's fake... Uh, I think on the ground on Coruscant and then it's fake again when Dooku's interrogating him. He was just a little overlap in shooting two projects or something? Yeah, he, he shaved for something else that he was doing after and had to go back and do a couple reshoots. Okay. So his beard looks really shitty on the only close-ups we've seen of him thus far. Right. His hair is awful anyway. It's terrible. But like, it's mullety. The problem was specifically he want they needed to make him look older. They needed yeah. to show a 10-year age jump and I mean they should have gone right to the hairstyle of, they just wanted to make him look like Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And also, like, long hair was kind of a thing in the early 2000s. So they did it for Obi-Wan. They do it for Anakin again in Revenge. What's his hair like in, in Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan? He doesn't go full Alec Guinness, like, short little haircut. Uh, Pretty close. Is it? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, it's a little bit longer on the top, but yeah. it's uh, very, it should be. It's very much just a, a, tr- a trimmed down uh, look, very similar to Alec Guinness. Okay. But with brown hair. Well, that's all I have that's for this That's the good point. Obi-Wan look. Yeah, no, it's very cool. Yeah, it's definitely. The, the classic. In one. fact, I want to see a little salt and pepper. I'm, we've talked about that at the Yeah, that will be amazing to see a good old Obi-Wan movie. What else do you have from this? 20 so just a couple of a couple additional take backs but that's kind of that's kind of it the awful coruscant background uh on a couple of the shots especially between the conversation with Django and zam i agree uh that is awful that looks like a cartoon like batman show from like the 80s i hear you but i also think the development of coruscant for this opening sequence is pretty cool because previously we've only seen like daytime coruscant Mm. and this kind of gives us something that looks seedier we have these big uh neon billboards Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like dark and dingy i kind of like the underbelly of coruscant oh i do too but there are a couple shots that the backdrop is unbear it's so bad yeah like it, it could not look more like a fucking cartoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I really know. all i can say it looks like it's the backdrop for star wars resistance for god's sakes right have you watched that yet by the way i haven't oh, okay unfortunately i still have to try and watch it i want to get in at least binge a couple of the episodes and see if it's worth it uh, to like invest into right um but even still potentially it's something i don't get into until I hear through the grapevine that, like, oh, second season, it's really developed. And, yeah. like, Rebels, I didn't start watching until, like, the very end of the fourth season. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I do wish I had seen it the entire time. But at the same time, I kind of don't because I like binging stuff. Oh, definitely. That's the way to go. Oh, it's so much fun. It's 2018. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, it's a little ridiculous 
Anakin's ability to spot Zam. Yeah. Like a needle in a haystack right. on that. There is no chance in hell. That is like going a little too far. We excuse so much stuff to just the fact that he's a great Jedi. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's good because he's a great Jedi. But that one's a little bit like, that's just, it doesn't make sense. You're right. This chase scene, you can't follow it as much as it's kind of cool action shot wise. You're, you have no idea what's going on. Right. Uh, whereas like the pod race, for example, and like the chase scene in like Empire that we love, the amazing one with the TIE Fighters and the Falcon, you really know the chase that's going on there. You can see all the parts of it. So that was one thing that bothered me. Did you notice an alien in the chase scene who looked exactly like Sebulba? Yeah. Yeah, they do have a Doug and um, I forget what the other kind of uh, alien was in that speeder, but another one that was, uh, I think, one of the pit crew for an, and uh, maybe Odie Mandel. Odie Mandel, nice. Maybe one of those guys. Cool. It was another one of the ones. I can't remember. Uh, and I also have just one other line here that I did think was pretty good and anakin doesn't have many good lines oh you know master i couldn't find a speeder i really liked with an open cockpit and the right speed capabilities yeah that's pretty good <laughs> yeah i thought it was pretty good yeah uh other than that though nothing really okay and uh, there isn't really a whole lot in the star wars news world either it's been a kind of quiet week I it guess. really has uh episode nine the only thing that's really circulated recently is that oscar isaac made a comment about there being more improv allowed uh, which Whoa. some people are like scared and have are up in arms about, but at the same time, I know Han Solo's line was improvised to a degree, uh, and having like the, this is the third movie. The actors know the characters now, and think about how many times we wish we just wish that you and McGregor. And Natalie Portman got to write their own lines. Yes. They got to improvise yes. a little bit in the totally. prequels. This is a fine thing. This is just means that the dialogue is going to be more natural. Exactly. Anybody complaining about improv in a movie doesn't realize that it happens all the goddamn time. Mm -hmm. To a, like a small syncopative extent. It's it's like they're only freaking out because it's something that doesn't necessarily get said out loud about a lot of movies. Exactly. And the last time it was said in reference to a Star Wars movie, it was Lord and Miller and improvising on a Kasdan script for Solo, but none of those characters were ever played by those actors before, except for Chewie. Right. Uh, and it was with kind of young directors. It was just way too much experimentation going on. JJ's worked with these actors before. These actors have played these characters for a few movies, and it's going to be the kind of thing where they'll get the take yes. and then they'll just do a couple different versions afterwards. It happens all the time. Yeah. With Lauren and Miller, the improv that they're used to on a set is uh, Jonah Hill, just come up with as many insults mm. for Channing Tatum as you can come up with and we'll pick our favorite one in mm -hmm. post. That's that's why it wouldn't be good for a Star Wars movie. Exactly. Yeah, that's silly. Yeah, But really that's one of the only things about episode nine that's out. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> uh, Mandalorian. Yep. Only thing about that is just one extremely cool photo. Oh, sorry, two very cool photos. And that would be John Favreau and George Lucas. And then another one of John Favreau, George Lucas, and Dave Filoni. You really think George Lucas is going to be a fan of this series? I really do. Yeah, I really do. Because George Lucas doesn't necessarily like the, the creation of Boba Fett, like the character. It was cool. Yep. It's a cool character. And George Lucas built around it a lot more in Attack of the Clones by reintroducing Jango Fett and making that a, a large story arc. But at the same time, the Mandalorians, that's the entire exploration that you've seen on the big screen. Right. George Lucas has kind of 
He's experimented with it with Dave Filoni for The Clone Wars, and then Dave Filoni extended that on in Rebels. And John Favreau's got a lot of these ideas that have been based in his mind for years. So I really think this is going to be George Lucas's galaxy. Yeah. It's going to be George Lucas's Star Wars that we're going to be playing in. Uh, and we're going to be seeing a lot of kind of those classic things, but modernized in a way the way Rogue One was done. Right. So I'm thinking we're going to get a similar vibe to that. And I think that you'll get a similar reaction in the sense that I think this will bring George Lucas back to 77. Okay. Um, and I, I and I think and I think that's just essentially the goal that we're all having with everything that Star Wars now is what can reflect back to that initial spark of this entire saga and so yeah. those little snippets here and there that's uh, the driving force of the whole re of all star wars yes of yes. all of star wars is yeah. just it's recapturing uh those few key moments and they happen sometimes they don't happen in a movie sometimes they're rampant throughout a movie right so I want to give a couple of birthday wishes. We uh, foolishly forgot to wish any happy birthdays last week on the podcast, and it was a very, very big week. Oh. <laughs> so uh, I want to say uh, a happy birthday to Felicity Jones. Oh, nice. His birthday was on the 17th. Uh, John Favreau, two days later, on the 19th. That's a big one. And Carrie Fisher on the 21st. Oh, yeah. that's Those were three bad ones to miss. It was a really big week. <laughs> uh, and uh, this week, on Tuesday, the 23rd, Amelia Clark had a birthday. And coming up this weekend, uh, both Gwendolyn Christie and Matt Smith, who cool. is officially part of the Star Wars universe. Nice. So happy birthday to all those folks. Good additions. Uh, really, the only other thing I have left to say is uh, I finished Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Nice. Any person who loves the original trilogy would adore this book. Yeah. Uh, I it's think... a shame then that like so many people would be turned off from reading that just because it's a girl's name. Yeah. To be honest, this is one of the... As... For people who are a fan of the original trilogy, specifically, like more so than than Star Wars as an overall big picture, but like, yes, you may love Star Wars and all of it, but if the original trilogy is that's your OG, you keep going back to it. This is one of the best complimentary books in all of canon for those main characters. Uh, Heir to the Jedi is a one that complements the Luke Skywalker story. It's known as not being a very good book. I haven't read it yet. It's probably, I'll read it in one of my next couple ones. That's not a Legends book, Heir to the Jedi? Heir to the Jedi was written as, you're thinking of Heir to the Empire. Heir to the Empire was a Legends book. Okay. And it's the most It's the most well-known Star Wars book, period. Right. Uh, no, Heir to the Jedi was one that was written, uh, and I believe the, the writing started before Disney purchased Um lucasfilm and then the book was released after so they went through it and they vetted it to determine if it would be canon enough yeah and it, it, it passed all the canon test so they Great. made it canon um that but, must have been a relief it, it definitely would have been a relief <laughs> however people have said it's one of the worst canon books mm. so there aren't that many that tie perfectly into that original trilogy with those same characters like for example i'm reading last shot uh, and i'll still try and go back to it but like that Han Solo, it, it, it Han Solo and Lando, it, it still didn't work for me. It wasn't there is good. Something subtle, maybe unspeakable, in the writing of that book that is not capturing Han Solo for you, because otherwise you would have been able to finish this book. Yeah, I really would have. There's something they've done really wrong. 
I, I, I really think it's the, the multiple timelines. There's just yeah. too many. Yeah. Uh, and I really could not care less about the other two. I care. I, the main timeline has gotten too confusing and the other two timelines I never was interested in. Right. So that's why that book was got a problem. But the reason why Leia was so great was because you could see the direct lines between like Bail Organa, the start of the rebellion. You learn more about Mon Mothma. But all these characters that you see in the original trilogy that you don't really know anything about, uh, and understanding Leia's background and all about Alderaan, this planet that has this massive impact on A New Hope, but we know nothing about. Right. And Still, almost, well, but the thing is, I know a ton about it now because I just got to read a book where probably 70% of the book takes place in Alderaan. Be nice to see some of that, though. Well, Alderaan, they constantly talk about how beautiful it is. Mm. So it's, and we see it for like a couple seconds in the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and a couple like maybe a couple episodes or one episode of all of Rebels maybe again should have been Naboo. Yeah, it's, once again, absolutely. And, and Bail Organa should have been Padme's sister. Yes, but brother, uh, sorry, yeah, brother. Yeah. But given what we have to work with, uh, they do a really good job of filling in a lot of fuck ups of George Lucas between the prequels and the original trilogy and making those blend. Right. So it's a definitely a recommended read. I'm reading Tarkin at the moment. Uh, the Vader voice narration is sensational cool. on Tarkin. Oh my God. It's nice. Sensational. Best yet. Um, so far the book's a little dull, but, 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 but still really good. It's well reviewed. Uh, yep. It's, it's, I, I think it's picking up. Yeah. I, I think it's just might be a little bit of a slow starter. Uh, but no, I'm liking it as well. So, uh, getting through the age of the empire and then I'll, uh, read up all the ones that are kind of approaching the force awakens, uh, and the new sequel trilogy. As we head into episode nine. If you want to be caught up to us by next week's podcast, watch the first 40-ish minutes of Attack of the Clones. Enjoy. And in the meantime, if you have any feedback on the podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. This has never once happened, but if you'd like to record a little piece of audio in your memos, you could email that through and we'll play it on the show. And uh, I think that's all of our stuff, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. We will have a special guest on next week. Oh, yeah, that's right. A buddy of ours. Yes. <laughs> Who we never agree with when it comes to Star Wars, so that would be kind of interesting. Uh, and then uh, until we're, uh, we're together again, may the Force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>